0: So we want to have a classic love life, and the the word classic means to stand the test of time. We've got all these old music players leading all the way up to the iPod, but songs that are classic could be songs that were played on this maybe 50, 60 years ago, but are still being played on the iPod today. Why? Because they stand the test of time. Classic is judged over a period of time to be outstanding of its kind. And, and and the thing I want us to believe and get in our hearts is God has a plan for your love to be classic, not contemporary. The opposite of classic is contemporary, meaning it's trendy, it's fashionable, it's modern, it's up to the minute, but it's, it's derived from the word temporal, meaning it's constantly changing. And God's plan for your marriage and for your relationships is not to constantly be changing, but to have an unconditional love like God. That's the kind of love that God has for us is unconditional, and unchanging. It stands the test of time. I remember um, there was this girl when I was at ORU that I thought was really pretty in in this season of my life, and I honestly was just ready to be in a relationship. I had been single for many years, and so I asked a couple of my roommates if we could go on a roommate date and kind of make it a group thing, and we went on the date, and at the end of the day, we were sitting across from Lake Evelyn. We were over at ORU, and it's more like a pond, uh, but it is Lake Evelyn. And so we'd sit at, you know, at the, and we were looking at it, and we were sitting on the park bench. And I had this epiphany, this moment where God said, Paul, this is contemporary. This is a crush. This is uh, not really a lasting love. And, and I felt like God said, could you see yourself sitting next to this girl on a park bench for the rest of your life? And I thought, no, and it was kind of sad because I really wanted to be in a relationship, but I knew exactly who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. My classic love was Ashley Hope Doherty, and uh, later on, we ended up getting married. But there's people who can come into your life where it may just be a crush, but it's not classic. It's, it's temporal. It's fleeting, and God has a plan for you to be with someone. Uh, no matter where you're at in your life right now, God has a plan for your future uh, if you desire to be married, to be with someone for the rest of your life Not just in and out, in and out Or bouncing around from thing to thing Or constantly going through heartbreak But having a classic love life That's God's plan for us And I want to invite up a few heroes of mine uh, Carl and Charity Taylor are going to come up And then I also want Alan Pat Richardson to come up Give these two couples a big hand As they're coming up this morning Al and Pat Richardson have been married 61 years this June That deserves a standing ovation right there 61 years this June, and Carl and Charity, you come up too. We're going to have a little interview with both couples, and we got some chairs coming out. How long y'all been married, Charity?
1: It'll be 30 years this May.
0: 30 years this May, and 61 years in June for y'all, and uh, y'all, y'all go ahead and take a seat. I'm going to sit right between y'all, and then we got two more chairs coming for Carl and Charity uh, over here. I'll wait to be seated until they bring out your seats. Y'all come over here, and they'll get it for you here in a minute. But here's the thing I want you to learn today from both of these couples is we're going to talk about what forms a classic love life, a classic love story. And uh, Before you're seated, while they're bringing out those chairs, you guys have a book in the bookstore. What's the book?
1: It's called Before and After. It is Biblical Principles for a Successful Marriage, and it is available right here at Victory in the bookstore.
0: And you guys teach a class on Sunday mornings called? Before, uh, before you say I do I was getting ready to repeat the book title B- Before you say I do They teach a class Here's your chairs And uh, me and Ashley went through this class Before we got married It's a great class If you're thinking about getting married Or if you already are married It's a great class to uh, take And don't, don't move that over This is awesome We just kind of do this on the spur of the moment No, we did plan it Okay But y'all sit down here Give them a big hand one more time All right We'll start with Alan Pat here first. How did you guys meet?
2: We met at uh, my high school graduation dance. And you met at your high school. Can we turn his mic up a little bit? You met at your high school graduation dance. Okay. And I was with somebody else. Pat was with somebody else. Ooh. And uh, neither one of us were really impressed with our date on that particular night. <laughs> so it, but we were sitting at table together with this other couple. And. Uh, All of a sudden, uh, they went to dance, the guy and the girl. And Pat and I ended up sitting at the table together. And that was how we met that that night. Come on, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So you left your date
0: and connected with him. Share, Share your side of it, Pat.
3: Well, I've been going steady with this boy named Charles. And we broke up that night after the dance. (laughs)
0: once you met Al it was over
3: (laughs) not that that fast (laughs) a few days later uh, that was on a Friday on Sunday afternoon after church I was desperate for something to do first weekend was no school and I took my little brother to the movie on the bus downtown I never took him anywhere so you know This was a a move of desperation. (laughs) So I thought I'd be a wallflower all summer because all my friends thought I was going steady with this other guy. So I got home and another girlfriend called and said, why don't you come over and play Monopoly with Alan and Tony, her boyfriend, and me on her back porch. And... uh, So I said, no, I didn't like him. And and she said, well, what else have you got to do? (laughs) And I said, well, I guess nothing. So they came and got me. (laughs) And we had a good time playing Monopoly. And I had a curfew of 10 o'clock. Well, I thought since it was the beginning of summer, I didn't have to be home at 10. And I forgot about the curfew, and about ten fifteen, my mother called and said, "Patricia, had you thought about coming home tonight?"
0: It's <laughs> awesome. I love this couple. They're so sweet. Let so, me ask you this: yeah. you, you, uh, Sorry, because of time, I want to keep getting here. There, when, he, when it was time for you to get married, you were ready for him to propose to you. What did he do instead of proposing?
3: The first Christmas, um, I thought we were going to get engaged at Christmas because we had talked about it. I just didn't have a ring. So I, he came to our family uh, Christmas thing and I expected to open a little box. And instead, I got a blue parakeet.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, Al. I feel like that's something I would give Ashley.
3: <laughs> that's worse than your shoes, dear. <laughs>
0: She was telling... I was telling her about a gift I gave Ashley that that Ashley didn't want. She said that that gift was worse than the gift I gave her. But... So, then what happened after you got the blue parakeet?
3: Well, he had even talked to my mother ahead of time, and she'd given him the old canary cage, and he painted it blue so it matched the parakeet. That's real sweet. (laughs) It it was thoughtful. (laughs) Not what I wanted at all. So... um, I think I finally got my ring in February. So, um, anyway, it took five years for that bird to die.
0: <laughs> Were you glad when it died? <laughs> I was tired of cleaning the cage. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I'm going to come back to you in just a second. All right, Carl and Charity, married 30 years. How did y'all meet?
4: Well, well Charity's father was going crusading. Dance, New York and that was here like, use my microphone Well charity father was doing a, a, a crusade in wine Dance, New York and I was about 11 years old when I first uh, met charity wow. yeah, yeah.
1: there was no romance was
4: <laughs> there was no
1: romance involved uh, we she had was afraid of me. Yes, with good reason. <laughs> he had to grow through a lot of things. He was dealing with some anger from the past. And, and so when we first met, it was just a matter of just kind of meeting each other and nothing ever happened. And so our very first date, I was actually 18 years old, so it took time. We formed a friendship. We kind of really got involved in things of ministry together. And, you know, we even sang in a little group together. So we started just to get to know each other. And I decided that he wasn't so bad. And so. (laughs) I grew on people, so. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so he did. He did. And um, after a period of time, he got up the courage to ask my dad. That I could go out on a date with him. And uh, it was kind of hilarious. He almost fell. <laughs> My dad was a big man. He was like six foot one and 400 pounds, so you didn't approach him lightly. And uh, he was a pastor of our church, so by the time he actually asked me out, I was 18 years old. We went on our first date. And I believe after that very first date is when he told me that he believed that God had called me to be his wife. So. Come on, now. <laughs> By then, we were really close friends, so I was already in agreement by then. I was That's just waiting. Great.
0: Let me ask you this. What advice would you give? I mean, you guys are counseling couples all the time. What advice would you give to singles and married couples in the room on what helps keep a classic, a, a lasting relationship, a lasting marriage? What advice would you give uh, both of y'all?
4: I believe you got to have a, relation with, a relationship with God first. Amen. You know, if your relationship with God isn't really stable then you're going to have a rocky relationship later on. Amen.
1: Amen. Um, absolutely. One of the things that I think that made our relationship so strong is that it was built on our love for God. We, we started out as friends. And I think friendship is a key to you opening up and finding out who that individual is without any preconceived um, ideas. There's no pretense. They're just being who they are. They're just, and you get to know them, you know, the real them. You know, with you know, they're not putting on a front. So I think we really learned a lot about each other through that friendship level. And I think that if you can get past that, just that desire to be with someone and really get to know the person, that it makes a big difference in whether or not you choose the right person. That's
0: really good. That's really good. Come on, that's good wisdom right there. Isn't that right? That's that's his famous phrase in class. Isn't that right? Um, you know, something that you pulled out that I think we need to just take away for a second is. It starts with your relationship with God first. You can't have a classic love story if you're not cultivating a relationship with God on your own. Uh, and you can't rely on your spouse to, to build the relationship with God for you. you got to get it yourself. And God has you here at church for a reason. It's not just to uh, come and hear a good story uh, or just a good sermon. It's for you to continue growing in your relationship with God. And then the other thing that you said, building the friendship um, before you get into the romance. If you're dating right now, build that friendship first. Don't jump past those boundaries yet. You have the rest of your life once you get married to to do all the physical stuff you want. But right now, building that friendship. Okay, Alan Pat, 61 years of marriage... What advice would you give to just everyone in the room on having that kind of a long-lasting relationship with each other? And the thing I love about y'all is you're always smiling when you're walking down these halls. Every time I ask you how you're doing, you say?
2: Doing super naturally.
0: Super naturally. That's uh, Al's favorite response. But talk to us a little bit your advice on having a long-lasting, happy marriage.
2: I think one of the most important things is... That you have to be willing to give 100% to the marriage. Uh, a lot of people say, well, it's a 50-50 proposition. Well, that's not it because that gives you an out when you don't like something. You just say, well, that's the other 50% and I don't have to be involved in that. <laughs> I believe that it's 100%, 100% because there are times when one partner in the marriage will have to be 100%. Yeah. and. You never know when that's going to happen, but you have to be committed to that. And I think that Pat and I, from the very beginning, were committed to the fact that marriage was for a lifetime. And that uh, there was not any alternative to that. And uh, even though we knew that people got divorced but, uh, or separated, but death would have been the only option for us at, uh, at that time or any time through our marriage, through the almost 61 years now.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Al, Pat.
3: Well, it helps if your families like each other. And when I was first started going out with Alan, I wasn't real impressed. He didn't have, he forgot to open the door for me to get out of the car. He said later he was just spellbound. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I told my mother, you don't need to worry about this one. I don't like him. I'm just going out with him till I meet somebody else. And so, <laughs> and so when I came, but I introduced him when he came to pick me up to mama. And by the way, I didn't ever tell this yet, but um, daddy was never in the living room when my boyfriends came. And I never thought a thing about it until we were married about five or six years. And I found out mother had him outside In the flower bed, writing down the license plate of every car.
0: That is awesome.
3: Every car I ever left the house in, Daddy had the license plate. (laughs) But anyway, so that time I told her, you don't need to worry about this one. And when I came in, she said, Patricia, what is the matter with you? He's the nicest boy you've ever been out with. And besides that, he has beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> so mama approved, and that made it easy. And I guess daddy approved. too.
0: <laughs> now, you know, Pat, how many times have you had to forgive Al? A jillion. A, j- a jillion? How about you, Al? At least that many. At least that many. What was, what's your encouragement to people just maybe facing situations that are hard to forgive, uh whether it be a relationship or a marriage, or even just single people with their family members, what's your encouragement and advice on forgiveness?
3: Um, before you get married, study the words covenant and commitment and see if you can meet those um, definitions. And I have them written down, but I won't read them to you this time. And uh, if you're when you're in a covenant, you're in a covenant. And we stood before the preacher, and I looked down at his feet. He had on cowboy boots, because he was short. <laughs> I guess he wore those to be taller. But anyway, we made a covenant. And we were young, but we made a covenant and a pledge and a commitment, and we were always committed. Uh, we ne- neither one ever got in the car and left. Um, you know, like being mad. Or I'm leaving you or anything. One time, I did get mad enough uh, to put his pillow in the hall. And, <laughs> and he said, I guess this means I'm sleeping in the other room.
0: Now, the, that's hilarious. The other thing was, and I'm going to come back to y'all. He was in, he went into the military for 20 years. You had to move around all over the place. And one of the things you said in the last services was, You enjoyed it. You chose to enjoy it, make the most of it, even though it wasn't easy, maybe.
3: We moved around uh, for 20 years. He joined the Air Force after we were married five months because he couldn't get a good job because he was in the National Guard. And they had been called up in the Korea conflict, so nobody wanted to hire him for a job with the future. And uh, it we never thought about joining the Air Force until he needed a job. And when I see your old radio over there, oh, but anyway, we were both in, in agreement. And um, so after we were in the Air Force about a year and a half, the money just, we got paid once a month, and we bought groceries, what we thought would last. But we would run out this, the fourth week of the month out of milk, bread, and eggs, things that were perishable like that. And so he would take my radio to the pawn shop. And in those days, this was 1955, he got $7 for the radio, and we could buy enough food to eat the rest of the week. Wow. And then on payday, he had to pay 10% to get the radio out, seventy. So it would come back for three weeks. then it would go back. That's (laughs) awesome.
0: Come on. You know, the thing about it though that I want to pull takeaway from them is attitude determines your altitude in your marriage and in your relationships. Through all the stuff that they've walked through, they've been able to keep a good attitude. And that's something that all of us can work on. No matter how old you are, what your relationship status is, let God have control of your attitude and you'll be able to walk through seasons that maybe difficult and frustrating and disappointing, but be able to enjoy those seasons. Okay, I want to come to y'all for a little bit. Uh, What advice would you give to just singles in the room? Where's the singles at? Singles, raise your hands. Look around, look around, see who's with you. You're not alone. Okay. Advice for the singles, preparing. Preparation time is never wasted time for your future. So tell them a a, a word of encouragement.
1: Um, Okay. (laughs) The main thing I would say is Don't let your focus just be on finding someone. Know how valuable you are. Um, Number one, you're valuable to God. Don't sell yourself short just to be in a relationship. Um, We have found a lot of people who settle because they believe that if they don't get this one, there may not be another one coming. And so you don't want to sell yourself short. Know how much God values you. I believe you meet the person that God has called you to be with as you're busy doing the thing God called you to do. So um, really stay focused on your calling. You have a purpose. And don't ever let your purpose take a back seat. So um, let God lead you by his spirit. Understand, too, that you want someone who's after God's heart just like you are. Um, And if you don't have a zeal for God, the person that comes with you is probably not going to have that zeal either. So you want to meet. And I, I believe that our desire to be together was formed out of the friendship. So that, you know, I still call you back to that. Come into a place where you're volunteering. I mean, there's so many places, thank God at Victory, where you can be connected with people who have the same heart. There's so many avenues where you can get involved. So get involved and let God bring that person that's already involved in the things of God into your life. And and they'll have something, first of all, in common with you (laughs) because we find people don't have things in common. And they find that out after the fact that there's really little in common because they were more after relationship than they were after God's heart for them.
4: So, the word of God says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you Amen. as you begin to do God's will God's going to add unto you he knows you want to be made he, wanna, he know that yeah. you want to be married so therefore he's going to add that person to you That's right. praise God so therefore get busy doing the will of God Amen. find out about his unconditional, vow, uh, unconditional love oh. and also praise God make sure you have boundaries in your Uh, relationships. Amen. Amen. Even in friends, you got to have boundaries. Amen.
0: Let's give these couples a big hand. Carl and Charity, Al and Pat, thank you so much. 30 years and 61 years of marriage. Come on, let's cheer them on as they're stepping down. Awesome. All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, the truth in Ruth. The truth in Ruth. And while you're doing that, I want to just share with you a couple thoughts from what we just took from them. Because all of us can use that advice. All of us can work on our attitude. All of us can work on developing our relationship with God, being busy doing God's will. But all of us, the main thing is that we would be surrendered to God's plan for our life. That God has a plan for your life and for my life. You know, yesterday, Ashley and I were celebrating Valentine's Day, and I gave her a gift. And and I was so excited for her to open this gift. As she was going through the bag, she was looking at it, and I was excited to see her reaction because you want to know how they react right there in the beginning to see if they like it or not. Right when she pulled out the paper and she looked at it, she goes, oh, thank you. That is so sweet. And I was like, whatever. I did not get the right gift. And she was like, well... I had mentioned something to you, you know, a couple days ago that I thought you were going to get. I said, I thought I got it. She said, well, you got something like it, but you didn't get the thing that I mentioned. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness. She said, it's okay. We'll just exchange it. And I was like, what? (laughs) But, you know, the thing that I've learned is sometimes we open gifts that we get what we don't expect. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7-7 that we're to celebrate the gift of the season that we're in right now. Whether you're single or married, it's a gift. And, and yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift, and that's why we call it the present. Come on, somebody. What you do with your present determines where you'll be in your future. How you treat your present determines where you're going to be in your future. And so something I've realized is sometimes we're opening the gift of the present, and we're frustrated because it's not what we expected. I think about Ruth in her story here. She finds herself opening the gift of the present with a husband who's dead. And she's living in a foreign land. Uh, She's left her parents. She's now living with her mother-in-law. And and yet she's making the most of her present. She's decided, I'm not going to let this present season situation get the best of me. I'm going to get the best of it. Because how you treat your present determines where you'll be in your future. You know, the thing I think about in Ruth's story is her husband dies. She moves in with her mother-in-law. She says, where you go, I'll go. Uh, Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm with you. Last week, we discovered from Ruth the truth from Ruth is that she had a selfless spirit. She had a selfless spirit. In other words, she was there to serve, not just be served. If you want to have a classic love story, get get over yourself. (laughs) I'm serious. Because listen, if you're all about yourself... You're going to end up in a wrecked relationship after another wrecked relationship after another wrecked relationship. We've got to learn if we want to have a long-lasting love life, we've got to become servants instead of expecting to be served. The no- another thing we took away from Ruth is that she was faithful. She cultivated a spirit of loyalty before she got married. She told Naomi, I'm with you till death do us part. So she was cultivating a spirit of faithfulness. Now, in chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Ruth was in the vicinity in the same place where Boaz was. She was picking from those fields where Boaz would be. Your environment is key to your destiny. If you're in the wrong environment, it's going to affect the destiny you want to have. So you're not going to find the right spouse in the club, okay? You're not going to find the right spouse in a bar or at a worldly party. You're going to find the right spouse in the church, that's why every week you as singles you want to be here as married couples you want to be around other married couples that are going after God your environment for your marriage is essential to the future of your marriage as married couples if you're always hanging around other married couples that don't care about faithfulness don't care about serving each other don't care about God's will for their life that's going to affect your marriage so your environment is essential that's something we can pull from Ruth 2 verse 3 it says that in Ruth chapter 2 Verse um, 5, Boaz saw Ruth picking in the fields. And he was talking to his people. In verse 6, he asked, verse 5, he says, who's this girl Ruth? Go back to verse 5. He says, yeah, who is this young woman? Where did she come from? See, I love this. Boaz was pursuing Ruth. Ladies, if you're the only one pursuing in a relationship, you need to stop right now. That man needs to get the boldness and the guts to pursue you. It's not meant to be one way, especially if you're single. Now, if you're married... You just keep being that person that's loving God and loving your spouse. But if you're single and, and girls and you're doing the pursuit, something's wrong. Ruth was being pursued by Boaz. Boaz asked this question. He says, who's this girl? Who's the, what's she like? What's her reputation like? And I love the response of the people who knew Ruth. Someone's going to ask, what's your reputation like? What's her attitude like? How does she treat her mom? How does she treat her dad? What is he like? Is he a gentleman? What kind of attitude does he have in the workplace? Does he work? Does he have a job? Please tell me about this man that's your friend. People will ask. And watch what people had to say about Ruth. I love this story. It says, why, that's the the Moabite girl, the one who came with Naomi from the county of Moab, from the country of Moab. She asked permission to let me glean from these fields and gather among the sheaves following after your harvesters. She's been at it steady ever since from early morning until now without so much as a break. In other words, they were saying, this girl is the kind of girl you want. She's that kind of girl. Come on, DC talk. (laughs) Different from the ones before cause I know she loves the Lord. She's that kind of girl. That's a Christian song, y'all. Don't look at me hateful. Listen, people are going to ask, what's your attitude like? What's your reputation like? Let me tell you three attitudes you do not want to have in your life. Three attitudes. If someone was to say this about you, you do not want these three things popping up because these are three things that are toxic to healthy relationships and healthy marriages. Number one, you do not want to have an attitude of being easily irritated. The easily irritated attitude is constantly nitpicking and majoring on the minor's In situations, making a big deal out of petty small things. I can't tell you how just terrible it is to be around someone who's constantly majoring on the minors. My parents used to tell me, Paul, don't major on the minors. Don't make a big deal out of small things. And those small things sometimes can become so big in our mind. Whether it's quirky differences about someone or just even the place that you're at. Remember what Paul said. He says, stop wishing you were someplace else with someone else doing something else. Enjoy where you're at. Don't get easily irritated at everybody and everything. And that's a good word for us in all relationships and in all places. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is not easily irritated. In other words, it doesn't get set off, ticked off at every little thing. Do people feel like they're walking on pins and needles around you? Are they free to just... Mature and progress in the process of becoming who they're called to be, or do you constantly nitpick at them? The second attitude you do not want to have a toxic attitude to relationships that could last for a lifetime is the complaining attitude. Constantly complaining, I don't like this and I don't like that. Why do we have to go to church? Why do we have to go do this? And constantly complaining. God told the Israelites while they were coming out of Egypt, He said, Y'all are such complainers. I pulled you out of Egypt, but I can't pull Egypt out of you, right? He pulls him, and he's saying, I want to take you to the promised land, but you're so complaining about the current season you're in, constantly complaining. Proverbs talks, another word for complaining is nagging, right? He's, in Proverbs, it talks about a nagging wife, but there's such thing as a nagging husband, too. <laughs> nagging means to constantly, ah, you know, just angry, just complaining, just frustrated. It's like that dripping faucet. Did you know that the the, the dripping faucet, there is an actual torture method called the Chinese water torture where they strap people down and they'll put a a, a dripping faucet over the forehead of someone and that water hits the forehead. And the longer they sit underneath that dripping faucet, it, it actually tortures them to make them go insane. They will use this in war to make people go crazy because it's the same thing with someone who's constantly nagging you, constantly telling you what they don't like. I don't like this. You haven't painted the bedroom yet. You said you were going to clean out the garage. You never cleaned out the garage. If you would just lose some weight, if you would just do this and blah, 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 blah. And listen, the complaining attitude, it doesn't just happen once you get married. It happens before marriage. A lot of people think once I get married, all my problems will be solved. No. (laughs) All your problems will be amplified. All your bad habits and your bad attitudes, they don't leave once you get married. They only get more amplified. you got to deal with this right now. If you're a complainer, ask God to pull it out of your spirit. Just say, God, cleanse me of a complaining attitude. The third attitude that's toxic to relationships and marriages is the comparing attitude. Nothing destroys a marriage worse than comparing your spouse to somebody else. I wish you were more like my mom. Well, I wish you were more like my dad. Yeah, well, if you would be like our friends, Susie and Jimmy, then we would actually have a happy marriage. If you treated me like Susie treats Jimmy, and if you did the things that Jimmy does for Susie, then we would actually get along with each other. And listen, comparing kills the joy of the current season you're in. It kills the the joy of the spectacular now. Always comparing. You know, we talked about that the title of today's word is enjoy your present. Quit wishing that you had somebody else's gift saying, I want a gift exchange. I wish I had their season. If you're married, enjoy being married. If you're single, enjoy being single. Single people, you will never get this season back. Make the most of right now. The thing I love about Ruth is she maximized her moments. She wasn't wishing to be married to Boaz. She was happy in the season she was in. She was enjoying it. In comparison, it's a killer to joy. There is no win in comparison. You either get prideful or you get angry and miserably depressed. Prideful thinking I'm better than them or depressed thinking, gosh, everyone's better than me. They have better life than me. Stop comparing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.17, we read it at the beginning. He says, stop wishing you were someplace else doing something else with someone else. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. He says, stop wishing you were doing all these other things. He says, where you are right now is God's place for you. If you're single, it's because God has a purpose for your singleness right now. If you're married, it's because God has a purpose for you to be married right now. How many of y'all didn't plan on or expect to be in Tulsa in this current season in your life? All right. Come on, Tulsa's not that bad. <laughs> How many of y'all didn't expect to be married by this time in your life? Okay, all right. How many, y'all, how many of y'all expected to be married, but you're single right now? Okay. How many of y'all didn't expect to have the current job that you have right now? All right. How many of y'all didn't expect to maybe um, uh, have, uh, well, there's a lot of things we didn't, I could keep going on here. You get the main point here, is that most of us are in places that we didn't expect to be in. It's not what I expected. I remember sitting down with a married couple. This is such an important story right here, don't miss this. It was six months after they got married, and, and they opened up. They just said, Paul, it's not what we expected, and we thought it was going to be easier. We thought it was going to be blissful and happy, and everything was going to be perfect, but it's not what I expected. The man, almost in tears, just said, man, I, I expected a lot more, you know what I'm talking about, than what we get. I'm keeping it PG for the kids in the room. The girl said, I expected him to be a lot more of a servant than he is. I mean, while we were dating and engaged, everything was serving. And then we got married, and it's like things changed. I expected having kids was going to be different than this, and, and it's not what I expect. What am I supposed to do with the disappointment of the present? What am I supposed to do, Paul? I, I, don't, I feel like I'm trapped in the present. No one plans on their spouse dying and being a widow. What do I do with this current season I'm in? Why, why do I have to be widowed? Well, maybe for someone in the room who's divorced. Paul, I didn't plan on my spouse serving me the papers, but they did. What am I supposed to do with my present? Sometimes I'm looking at my present and I'm thinking, can I get a gift exchange? Can, can I exchange this gift? That's how people feel sometimes. Because the truth is, none of us really expected everything to be the way that it is right now. But here's what we can do. We can take Paul's advice, looking at Ruth's life and say, what if I stopped comparing, complaining, and majoring on the minors? And what if I started maximizing the present? What if I started making the most of what I have and where I'm at right now? In Tulsa, Oklahoma, with the job I have, with the marriage I'm in, or the single life I'm in, what if I started enjoying the present? two things we can take away from Ruth that are good. I told you three things that are bad. Let me tell you two things that are good. Number 1, Ruth was present. She showed up. My encouragement to us is that we would be present. Everyone say be present. Don't be past, don't be future, just be present. One day at a time. Enjoy the right now. You know, a couple of weeks ago, me and Ashley, we were coming out of the nursery and we were watching our little boy Liam. He got up off the floor and he started walking he started walking for the first time. It's awesome. We, we captured it on video. I want to show it to you. But Liam started walking down the halls. And as he was walking down the halls, um, I got so excited. And I was so amazed. Here Liam is taking his steps, learning how to walk. And we were celebrating it. Now, let me tell you, as you're watching this, this is at like, he was already a year and maybe two weeks old. And If I was really honest with you, two months ago, I wish he was walking two months ago. Because I was in a conversation with someone, and they were like, how old's your baby? And I said, well, he's 10 months. This was back in November. They said, can he walk yet? I said, not yet. And they said, well, my baby's seven months, and he's already walking. And I was like, God, I just wish this would speed up. I wish he would start walking. But you know what God told me was, Paul, enjoy the present. You will never get the time back before he was walking. You'll never get the crawling back. Enjoy the process of learning to walk. And for the parents in the room that just wish your kids would grow up and leave the house, enjoy this time. You'll never get it back. For the parents whose kids who have moved out and you wish they'd moved back in, enjoy the present. You can't get the past back. And, and you can't really dictate what's going to happen in the future, but you can enjoy the right now. I saw a picture of a man who was sitting on a boat while two whales breached in the water. Rare humpback whales that came up in the water and here he was sitting on his phone. The photographer who caught the picture said, I took five pictures in a row. Never once did this man ever look up and see the whale. He was completely disengaged and checked out from one of the most amazing moments that was happening right before his eyes. So many people are missing the beauty of right now. This current season is a gift. It's not a curse. Singleness is not a curse. Marriage is not a curse. The gift you have right now, Tulsa, is not a curse. The job you're in right now is not a curse. What if you started looking at your current present as a gift instead of a curse? What if you saw the present as a present instead of a curse? What would happen? How would that change the way you treat your spouse? I love how Ruth, she maximized her present. She lived in the present. Number two, Ruth spoke life. She spoke life life. Two things we can take away today is be present and speak life. Let me tell you what Ruth did here. It says that when Boaz spoke to Ruth, he said, Ruth, from now on, I'm going to take care of you. I've heard about you. I want to bless you. Ruth responded in verse 10. She dropped to her knees and she bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen that you would pick me, that you would treat me so kindly? I'm a foreigner. It said that Ruth had graceful speech. She had the language of humility. Look at what happens next in verse 11. Boaz said, I've heard all about you. I heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband. How you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and you've come to live among a bunch of total strangers. And he says this, next verse. He says, God rewards you well for what you've done and with a generous bonus besides from God to whom you come seeking protection under his wings. Watch how she responds. She says, oh, sir. Such grace, such kindness, I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart. You've treated me like one of your own and I don't even belong. Ruth had the language of humility. I think it's a language we're missing in America today. I think it's a language we're missing in a lot of marriages today. Well, I just wish you would grow up. Boy, I wish you would do something with yourself. Why don't you clean the garage like you said you would? Why don't you do those things you said you would do? Goodness, and and we get into name-calling and finger-pointing and an entitlement attitude in this prideful language when we come into church. I deserve this. I deserve better than this. And we get so intoxicated with a language of pride, a language of anger, a language of constant nagging and nitpicking. And I wish we could learn something from Ruth today. Man, I wish if we learned this, I think it could change your marriage. This one woman came into Gary Chapman's office, the writer, the author of The Five Love Languages, which you should read. It's in the bookstore. This woman came into his office. She said, I'm ready to divorce my husband now. Just tell me a reason why I should stay with him. Man, he's a deadbeat. He won't do anything I'm asking him to do. Please, I, I'm ready to do this. Just, I, just give me the word that it's okay. God's not going to be mad at me. I'm done with him. And Gary said, well, what's wrong? What, what did he do to you? She said, he won't paint the bedroom. I've told him now for like, a year. Please paint the bedroom. Please paint. And he won't paint the bedroom. What am I supposed to do with him? And she said, and Gary looked at her and he said, why don't you start telling him all the good things he's doing for you? I, I dare you, for the next few weeks, just compliment him. What if instead of dripping complaints, we started dripping compliments? All of us are a leaky faucet, it just matters what you're dripping. Are you dripping encouragement or are you dripping discouragement? Are you dripping love or are you dripping hatred, name calling? constant nitpicking. I found this wrong with you, and I found that wrong with you. What if you started dripping potential in other people? I see good things in you. Oh, you're a man of God. You are such a beautiful princess. I see you becoming the girl that God's called you to be. Start calling those things out. So Gary challenged her to do it. She went home. She started speaking life to her husband every day. She would just say nice things, encouraging things. Gary didn't see her for a few months. He ran into them at a Walmart and He said, hey, you never came back to my office. She was there with her husband. She was a completely different woman. She was smiling and happy. She said, you'll never believe it. She said, I went home and I I tried your advice. I started speaking life instead of complaining and nagging and nitpicking. I started speaking life. And when I did, within a few weeks, he painted the bedroom. I didn't even have to tell him to. He went and did it. Sometimes all it takes is words of affirmation to see the results you want to see. I want you to stand on your feet all over this room. God has a plan for your current season.